What's up, guys? It's Little D from FMF. When I'm not mixing gas and hauling ass, I'm listening to Big MX Radio. Hey, guys, what's up? This is Andy Frisella here. You're listening to Big MX Radio. But when you're done with this episode, come check out the MFCEO project, mfceo.com. I got all your motivation. I've got everything you need to know about running your brand. I've got everything you need to know about getting shit done, and we can do it together. Welcome to the Big MX Radio podcast show brought to you by FMF, the Fast House Seat Concepts, and uh, of course our friends over at The Collective Experience. Uh, I am your host, Brad Gebhardt. With us on the line, it's his fifth time on the podcast, and this is episode 649. He is your Triple Crown 450 champion. He was dominant and successful all throughout 2018, and that's why we call him the champ. Cole Thompson, how's it going, buddy? It's going good. Thanks for the intro. Absolutely, and you earned it, my friend. As we spoke off-air, number of laps, uh, hours in the RV, uh, miles on the the road bike, um, weeks of of recovery for different uh, injuries and whatnot. You've done it all, um, and and much of it aboard an orange motorcycle. Um, You're you're a guy who uh, has dedicated his life to being successful on two wheels, and uh, that culminated itself with a championship performance in 2018 in the Premier Class. Uh, on behalf of us over here at Big MX Radio, congratulations. How the hell did you do it? Uh, thank you. Yeah, it's, um, I mean, it kind of starts out uh, pretty basic. You know, you come with uh, come into the year with a plan, and uh, when they announced that there was going to be a 100,000 jackpot for the Triple Crown win, it was kind of like that was the, the goal. But aside from that, you had three different championships that were up for grabs, and um, for me, it started the year with uh, just approaching arena cross, trying to get that championship, and I was able to get that fairly easy. And then uh, going into outdoors, I thought it was going to be not easy, but I thought, you know, I, I'd done my homework and my bike setup was good. And we showed up at round one, and I felt a little off in practice, and um, I just thought, you know, just a little jittery. And then we started the year, first moto, um, nerves were high, and had a big crash off the first uh, first start and then uh had to come back from near last up to third that moto and i thought all right well you know i salvaged the first moto of the year you know i can maybe come out here and i remember everyone saying like oh colton was like a minute ahead of you and i was like wow i didn't think i was that far behind but uh, (laughs) you know he had a clear track maybe the second moto i can come out and try to you know see what he has and try to match his speed because i mean all day he was a little bit quicker than everybody and I thought going into round one, I was going to be the guy, the you know, one of the guys to be challenging for a win. But uh, no, second moto, same thing. I went down off the start again and um, came came through kind of similar with um, a couple of the top guys. Uh, Alessi was there, Gerke and everybody was kind of fighting through the pack. And then uh, I had two more crashes and finished seventh. And I remember uh, just kind of starting the first round. I was like, oh, man, not where I want to be. And then uh, it kind of dragged out for the next, like, three rounds or two rounds after that. I kind of... Um, just had a slow start to the season i got uh i think i went um you know fourth 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 for the first three rounds overall and then uh finally put things together for the final round on the west coast which was in manitoba uh new track to the series and i thought honestly after racing the whole series that was the best track of the circuit so hey i appreciate um, that but uh yeah, no, great dirt, great uh, great track. Just um, to me, it reminded me of racing uh, a little bit in the U.S. Had deep ruts. Um, I think uh, a couple of the the sections had you know you know three or four lines, which was cool. Like 
it's hard to get that kind of in Canadian racing just because we don't have the numbers of uh, riders. And, um, it's just hard to get kind of tracks that get multiple lines. So right. thought the track was great. And, um, went there and got a, got a three, two. And to me, it was a win just because I finally went in the right direction instead of finishing fourth off the box. Um, I felt like I was moving in the right direction, going to the East coast. I'm like, you know, this is, this is where you, you kind of make it or break it in this series because, uh, those tracks are, um, rougher being that they're sand and then it's hot too. We have the humidity in the summer. So I was like, you know, this is, uh, it's time to pour, you know, everything I have into it. And I just came out to Sandalene. I think I finished fifth overall. And I was so far off the pace. And I just remember sitting, I'm like, man, this is, you know, the halfway point. And I'm now 20 something points back. I'm like, I got some work to do. And, um, I think as, as the rounds kept rolling on, I just, um, wasn't able to find the speed to win a moto. Well, I didn't win a moto. So I was never able to find the speed to win a moto. I got a couple seconds and right. consistency paid off, um, for two of the rounds. I think I, I won two overalls with just consistency, not even winning a moto. So, um, yeah, regardless, finished the series in second overall. Uh, I thought for, what the series was like what the outdoors was for me i thought it was good because i was never the guy to beat and i was still able to keep the points um points lead in the triple crown series as well as finishing second to um colton and then uh going into supercross it was one of those deals that either it was uh you know i was either going to step up and make it happen or kind of just uh let it go the same way outdoors was and i was determined to kind of fix some of the things and being that I've raced Supercross in, in the past, I, I felt a lot more at home once we went back to the indoor setting and the tighter tracks and stuff like that. And I think uh, it showed as uh, my results were pretty good. Uh, started Montreal a little slow. I finished fourth overall there and then uh, won the last three rounds. So that was kind of the, you know, make or break kind of thing for me. So, um, yeah, all in all, it was a long series, a lot of ups and downs, but, for the most part, I think uh, as a team and myself, we did a great job to uh, keep consistent and bring this thing home. Absolutely. Like you said, a long season, uh, more events uh, for you in 2018, and probably you've you've raced um, like meaningful races anyway, like professional rides, um, than you've raced in, in a number of years now, and even including the years where you raced uh, West Coast Supercross with a, a couple of different teams over the years, um, and a successful season for you. Like you said, no moto wins during the, uh, the outdoor season, but then uh, caught fire uh, when things went uh, to Supercross, which I think was kind of the little the linchpin for you uh, to uh, capture this championship. And uh, the one thing I kind of noticed about um, the particular, the Montreal Supercross that I went to, because there was obviously uh, some hired guns that came into that particular event, guys like Malcolm Stewart, uh, who, and and Colt Nichols that were uh, um, basically brought in for that one particular event, which kind of throws a wrench into things. But while a lot of other uh, of your fellow uh, Triple Crown regulars were kind of reading some back and name bars and stuff like that and saying, holy crap, that's Josh Hansen. um, You kind of just did your own thing. Um, That was one of the things that kind of stuck out to me the most was we were able to just sort of like race your race uh and, and regardless of like almost put blinders on as far as far as who's around you and who's who's moving through the pack here and there uh because like you said you got fourth in that race and there was probably more like five guys that were brought in for that race in specific specifically so um and hats off to you for that 
Um, and, and from there, I think, like, obviously, you've you, you've got some experience indoors, and uh, obviously, uh, maybe arena cross not like a is a little bit of a different story. Like uh, arena cross on a four fifty. Um, I'm going to save my rent for another day uh, for that. Uh, but uh, the reality is, is on a more of an open concept, I think that's where your skills really seem to shine the most uh, indoors. And uh, yeah, I think that was kind of the uh, what catapulted you into this championship. Yeah, I think, uh, like you said, um, 450s in arena cross was pretty difficult. But I've raced arena cross in the, in the States. My brother had a series in Mississippi. Right. Uh, when I first turned professional, that was kind of where I got my start. And, you know, when I did it as a privateer, I'd make a lot of my money there and then I'd put it into my supercross program. So I had the, the background to go with the arena cross. It wasn't like I came into it kind of like unknown. Um, for me, it was pretty comfortable right away. Some of the tracks, I would say, were a little maybe too tight and it kind of made for the racing being a little bit stale or boring. But, I mean, they had uh, their work cut out for them with it being early in the spring, and it's hard to find uh, dirt that uh, is unfrozen or even uh, worth uh, bringing into some of these arenas. But uh, moving into, like, Supercross, like you said, the first round we had, we had uh, a lot of good good riders show up for it, and it was cool just to see those riders race in Canada. Um, you know, a guy like Malcolm Stewart, who's established himself in the States and won championships, to come up and race in Montreal was uh, pretty unique. And then... He pretty much walked away with it, um, him and Colt Nichols. I had uh, um, pretty much my own race going on behind those two. And uh, for the most part, I was I felt good on the track and stuff. I think I winded myself early in, uh, in in the first and second main event. But then by the third main event, I was a little bit more comfortable, and I had a good battle with Matt Gerke. And nice. I remember he got the better of me in that final main event because uh, we did three main events that night. And right. He beat me, and I remember thinking, I'm like, I mean, kind of one of those things it's like you gotta you gotta you gotta you know as much as that win wouldn't have affected my overall that night it was kind of more of a mental battle and i remember he won it and i was like thinking to myself i'm like those are the wins that you got to get to you know mentally kind of help with yourself as well as like you know the competition not getting an edge on you and i lost that one i remember thinking we got another race coming up i need to get a win and i remember he was the faster rider in the second round of the series he was you know if it hadn't been for his crash, I think he would have probably went on to win that night at round two. But, um, you know, he had a crash. And then for him, it kind of put the, the championship um, out of reach, so to say, because it was right. a four-round series. You have a problem. It's pretty much over. So after that, it became a head-to-head between me and Cole. And I remember he was, um, you know, within a few points. So that uh, second round was really crucial to get a win over Colton. And then uh, going into the third round, I remember thinking I have to – kind of established that, you know, um, I, I have a good points lead and, and a strong hold on this championship, um, not just for the Supercross, but for the, the Triple Crown points as well. And, um, I literally went to the heat race, best heat race I had in Supercross, and I remember being so confident going to the main, and I just remember saying to myself, just get through the first corner. You know, you can you can work your, yourself up through there, and I had a you pretty did not decent do that. size crash. Yeah, I had a decent <laughs> size crash, and, that kind of threw me for a loop a little bit because I was thinking, like, you know, you put yourself on the ground, worst-case scenario, you know, and I was thinking, all right, if I can get even inside the top top five, I'd be good. I caught up pretty quick and managed to work my way up to second at that point, and that was kind of the the deciding factor was, like, you know, can I make a push for the win? And it felt like last lap came up so quick, and I was, like, I was already out of time. So, yeah, and then obviously, you know, the, the big crash at the end and stuff um, was – 
was kind of uh, like a bitter ending to a good race for me, and then uh, a bitter ending to a good race for Colton as well. So, yeah, what a bummer for the both of us. Absolutely, and uh, let's stick on that just for the short bit. I'm sure you're tired of talking about it, but we have we, you and I haven't talked about it, and. Um, yeah. From my point of view, uh, when I've watched it and rewatched it and rewatched it, every every angle that they've uh, provided, um, the thing that sticks out to me is how open the door was. Uh, I, I'm not too sure, uh, like maybe just Colton not realizing how close you were, uh, the way you'd cut down on that corner prior to, um, just leaving it so wide open, and then you being an opportunistic guy pouncing on uh, on, a, on a door that you thought was left a whole lot more open than you shot you like the either a you would have left it open or b that you even thought it would be open. You're like, oh, he's going to shut off for sure. Of course, he does not. The two of you collide, and it's a pretty spectacular one at that. And then everything that happens after that is sort of just happenstance. That like the the way somebody falls to get injured versus not get injured like it could have gone a couple of different ways of how that uh, it all ends up playing out but the, I think the reality is is entering that corner uh you probably had your eyes pretty wide to see that uh the door was even available for you to be open because uh, you were coming from quite far back in, uh, in that spot like you um it's it, it, there wasn't really like at initially when you when you're first entering that corner it doesn't seem like you have a lot of room to to play with but with the the door as open as it was the, the opportunity was there yeah, like going into the corner, he'd uh, hit the whoops pretty quick and yeah. shot himself a little high into the final corner, which allowed me to kind of slingshot out wide and then down. And Just the way that my line came out of the corner and being a 450 and going back to what you said about 450s indoors, it's a pretty fast bike for a tight yeah. track. And when you accelerate, I mean, I came out of the corner, I got on the gas and I went a little wider than um, I initially thought. And when I was going wider, I thought he was being kind of let off like I've touched on a couple times, but I mean, at that point, you don't really know either way. Like he didn't know what, how far over I was going to come and I didn't know if he was going to shut off. Like we didn't know. So mm-hmm. it was um, just a weird incident. And like when he crashed, I didn't know that he like catapulted himself, you know, like I went over the finish line. And then when I got up and he's laying there, you don't know what serious injuries and stuff like that. And prior to that, um, you know, his team and, uh, stuff had had you know some problems or whatever um i didn't even know at the time but like there was some hatred towards his team and myself and my family and stuff so and i didn't know what was going on so like i didn't know how bad the situation with him being hurt and stuff and um i just like the whole situation that night i just felt like it was awkward and i didn't know like his injuries and then he wouldn't release his injuries so i'm like the whole week after i did like an interview with uh, direct motocross and stuff and i touched right. on them like man, like, I don't know how to put it. Like, it was an accident. It was non-intentional, obviously. And, you know, yeah, he's my friend. Like, uh, and even if we weren't, I wouldn't do that to anybody. So I said, it's just an incident. Like, I don't wish it for anybody to get hurt or have that go down. And then I seen him, you know, um, I actually talked to him before Hamilton Supercross. And I, I kind of just touched bases with him. And then I said, hey, man, like, I understand if you hate me, pissed off. And he's like, no, not at all. You know, I have my different hate for different reasons. And I think I get it. And everything because I seemed like we were like getting over it and then I'd seen him at Hamilton Supercross before um the night show had started he you know was there to do autographs I was like hey man like good to see him he kind of gave me the cold shoulder and I was just like okay like you know I thought we talked about this like is it good or is it not good like you hate me you know hate me whatever more time and then um I just I, I thought it was I got a good kick out of you know his video he posted the day after I'd won my championship you know he announced his comeback and I was like you know 
it was directed towards me and, you know, the, the takeouts that we had or the, you know, battles that we had. And right. I was like, that's fine. You know, if, you know, if that's what, how you want to announce it, but like, you know, don't cold shoulder me and then be like, Oh, ha ha. I make a funny video. Um, I just think it's, you know, to me a little, little bit unnecessary, but whatever, you know, that's cool that he's making a comeback next year. I think, uh, he's still got a lot to prove and he wants to, uh, you know, go out on top and stuff like that. So, you know, hats off to him and, his team for the, the season that they had um you know for me i got more work to do and now it's uh you know like i say a couple more weeks off the bike and then it's back to work you know and uh i, I definitely will uh work on my outdoor skills for next year and try to improve where my weaknesses are as, as well as still you know um try to fix where I, what i did good this year still trying to improve on that so like i said the whole situation um it's pretty much dead, you know, done with and yeah. dead now. Like I, I, I don't really, I mean, I've talked about it so much, but <laughs> for the most part, I'm like, it is what it is. Nothing's yeah. going to change from it. Um, if anything, it, it, it brought, whether it's negative, positive, whatever way you want to look at it, it brought a lot of attention to the series, to myself and him. Um, and I mean, at the end of the day, it's a hundred thousand on the line. And for Canadian moto, that opportunity is not there. You know, it's never been there. That it's the history of Canadian moto. Like that, uh, that's a bonus that, nobody's ever seen at the end of the day i'm a racer he's a racer we both want to win and we don't want to see each other walk away with it so um like i said there's no hard feelings towards him i i i'd reached out to him like that before the hamilton supercross tried to clear things up and then uh you know after it i just said hey man you know whatever about the video and um you know let's just uh move on with things and uh i'll see you at the races kind of thing so um Regardless, what uh, whatever people you know want to say about it, it's uh, it's racing, and people do move on, and we'll be back at it uh, next year, and hopefully, we'll uh, bring some good battles to come. Absolutely. Hey, anytime that you can add some fuel to the fire of a five-time champ in the Canadian Moto, uh, that's a good thing. Anytime that you can uh, challenge a uh, now a uh, a champion in the series, uh, the, a current Triple Crown champion, I think that's good for motocross as well. Uh, people will be glued to uh, the uh, the online feed once the gate drops again for Arena Cross, and and hopefully uh, uh, either either one of your brothers can decide to uh, protect and uh, have some. Uh, dry dirt from that for that first one, rather than a, a melting arena cross, and that's the last time we'll take a take a shot at that particular race. But um, yeah, it's pretty interesting. Uh, I was surprised to see the video, mainly because uh, like it's just like it's one of those things where like yeah, like if you're post champ, you're la- the last year's champ, like you you have every intention of that, like you could probably do it again, or like uh, I think there's a lot of people that thought that uh, Colt would r- ride off into the sunset after a, a fifth championship tying jsr uh and all that fun stuff but uh um uh like as much as he'll be back next year i think you'll be that much more ready to uh to to compete with him and i think you guys will both give each other um a a formidable opponent like uh kind of like the 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 championship within the championship a little bit um but uh yeah nothing's uh nothing's guaranteed when it comes to uh saying you're gonna uh come back and 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 give her shit and and be a a championship contender i'm i'm reminded of one of my closest rivals locally and, and be this as it may, I might be a mediocre B class rider, Cole. I might be a very mediocre B class <laughs> rider, but there's That's also all good. what's that? That's all good. It yeah. doesn't matter what level. Yeah. 
But the, the reality is, is there's an, a fellow mediocre B-class rider that races locally. And one morning, he had the audacity to look me dead in the eye and says, I'm going to wax you all day. <laughs> and Cole, he didn't get a single moto on me. In fact, I passed him on the last lap of all four motos. Um, and he hung his head in shame, even threw his bike down after the last one. So that is maybe uh, the feeling that I, uh, that, I, that I hope for you, uh, if you're able to, uh, to, if you're going to be the villain in all this, uh, that they, they're, kind of, they're, they're, they're doing a little bit of WWE uh, promotion on this sort of uh, rivalry now. Uh, I, I hope that you can, uh, you can bring your best and give us a show 2019. Um, and, and talking about 2019, obviously uh, you'll be defending a, a Triple Crown Championship uh, heading into... Uh, arena cross a series where uh like you said i think you're very comfortable as long as there's uh like dry conditions a 450 and uh um a track that goes counterclockwise by the way super uh, arena cross tracks counterclockwise remind your brothers of that um but uh um be that as it may um yeah i I think that you're you're in a good position to do well again um like you said you're going to be off the bike for a couple more weeks and then what does the schedule look like for you? Is there any chance that we see you at one of the a West Coast Supercross, uh, a Daytona, an Atlanta? Um, is there any chance that we see any of that? Um, I'm never going to say never, but right now um, the plan is just to focus on the Canadian Series again. Uh, I've done Supercross like uh, a couple times now since I've come up to Canada. I did it um I didn't. I did in 2016 with uh, KTM Canada helping me, and then I did it again in 2017. And <clears throat> both those years, it was um, both good and bad. Uh, some of it was good for the fact that I was able to race, um, you know, on a on a KTM and not have to switch teams or anything like that. But mm-hmm. at the same time, it's difficult to do a program in the states when you're based out of Canada, getting parts, budget, yes. all that stuff going into the series that they don't even have part of, you know, KTM Canada has no part of American racing. They have their series in Canada, which that, um, that's what I'm paid to do. And, you know, you also have the risk factor, right? You know, you got to factor in, uh, the risk of putting yourself out there and, uh, racing the best and obviously battling and anything can happen. But aside from that, it just comes down to just the amount of uh, prep that you got to do and what it cuts back on the prep that I got to do for Canada. I mean, we're limited to, how much testing we get and then the testing that we do get very critical to obviously take advantage of it. So just depending on when we have testing, um, my races in Canada, I don't, I don't want to say like never, but this year probably doesn't look too good to do supercross. Not saying that, um, if an opportunity comes up, I wouldn't take it, but for now, KTM does have a spot open. I'm not too sure if you're familiar with the 25 machine. Yeah. Yeah, those are those those boots are a little bigger to fill. I think uh, <laughs> my championship in Canada doesn't uh, amount to much compared to the guys in the U.S. Those guys are all uh, world class racers, and mm. trust me, I've raced them. And um, I think in 2017, I said uh, I was to the point of you know uh, where I was just like I don't have it anymore. I was um, trying my best, and I, I remember being like 10th to 15th, and just thinking I'm like that's all I have in me. Like, you know what I mean? Like the guys that are beating me are just good, good racers. You know, they're young and they're hungry. And, uh, when I came into this series in Supercross, I did it as a privateer and 
um, I was getting better. And then, uh, you know, you take a couple of years back and you go back into it and it's like, wow, you know, the, the speed level and the competition is just that much harder. So, um, hats off to anybody that races in the U S and it gives it a go. You know, I know Pettis did it last year. A couple other Canadians have tried it in the outdoor series and stuff. And I think anytime you see a Canadian go down there and try to, uh, you know, make a name for themselves and battle, it's, uh, it hats off to them because I, I I've done it for a couple of years, uh, when I was younger and, it wasn't easy by any means. For absolutely, I think you're totally right. And uh, hats off to you. Not only were you competing at uh, a pretty high level, you Zach Commons with the uh, Slayton Racing team back in, I believe that's sixteen. No, yep, yep. sixteen. 16. Uh, like basically bringing a bike from KTM Canada, ri- like transporting your whole program to southern california racing west coast supercross even though i think you're more of an east coast guy uh, as far as the dirt's concerned and then uh um i i I would venture to guess that you probably wouldn't sign yourself up for another slayton backed uh program if just to put that lightly um yeah i mean like uh, there's nothing um it's hard like I, i mean for for a program that's you know, backed by private sponsors and stuff. It's hard mm-hmm. to put a full race program together. Yeah. I've been part of a lot of teams and I mean, I know what goes into it and it's not easy by any means. Even our, our factory team up here in Canada, it's tough. You know, you got to get sponsors and salaries and mechanics and everything. So, I mean, Slayton did what they could with the team that they had in that year. Uh, that was the best opportunity for me to go racing supercross. And I jumped at it and um, I have no regrets from it. I mean, it was a, it was an opportunity that I took and, um, I can look at it now and say, you know, that that's the, the reason I am where I am in Canada is because I have those supercross skills that right. I've put myself in situations that maybe Colton's not familiar with, like you said about him leaving the door. If he, you know, done more arena cross or more supercross, he knows that that's the worst thing you can do, you know, especially in the last corner. Yeah. Um, but that being said, it, it, it comes back to, you know, the, the program that I had in 2016, it was, um, I was dropping down to 250s for the summer that year, so I was new to the 250s again. I'd just come off 450s. The factory engine motor motors that I was getting for outdoors weren't going to be done until after Supercross, so we had Pro Circuit do the motors, and they were, I wouldn't say, I'm not saying bad, but they just they hadn't figured out the KTM yet. They were still developing that motor, so it could have been better, yes, but you know we made it work and we got through the rounds and stuff, and I was running out of my van, running around. And I think it was more stressful for me just trying to get everything ready before the weekend started. And then yeah. once the weekend started, it was kind of like, all right, let's go race. And it was hard to get my head into it. And that's kind of the same deal I had in 2017. And I just said to myself, I'm like, I'm sacrificing so much to go race this. And my head's not in it once I get there because I'm so stressed out from the week I had. And anybody that does it as a privateer, man, I have so much, more, like, obviously, I have a lot of respect because I grew up as a privateer. Even in amateurs, I bought all my bikes. Professional, the first two years, I bought my parents, not I, my parents bought all my stuff and had my brother work with me. So it's not easy by any means. Those people that do it, you know, even go ask Dean Wilson. Like, you know, he'll be the first to tell you, like, it's hard. Like, when you're doing it on your own, getting sponsors, you know, and that's a guy that's, you know, pretty open about everything he does. And he'll tell you, like, it's crazy how much harder, you know, your practice bike gets worn down. Now you don't have a good practice bike that matches your race bike and your race bike gets worn down. And there's so many elements that go into it. So when people ask me like, why don't you give us a go? And, you know, I always get a crack at people like, uh, you know, especially the comments last couple weeks, like, Oh, you can never race like down the States. You're right. I couldn't race like down the States because I didn't have the same type of support. And the times yeah. I did have the support, 
um, you know, going back to when I wrote for Rockstar KTM, which was a factory team, I wasn't ready for that spot yet. You know, as much as I wanted to be, I wasn't ready for that kind of a pressure. Um, oh, yeah, that I kind forgot of about that. Who else was on that yeah, team? Yeah, I mean, pardon me. Who else was on that team? That was like a that was a cool little pro. Like, was Blake Wharton on that? Uh, it was. It was actually um, Anderson. Anderson. Blake yeah. Wharton was there. Yeah, Blake Wharton was there. It's um. It's now the Husky team. It's uh, Bobby Hoops team. Right. 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 So, at the time, you know, it was a it was an opportunity that came to me with um, Joey Savacci didn't hurt, and they called me, and um, I just took it. You know, I jumped on it. I hadn't really even thought about what I was going to do for Supercross that year. I just jumped on it. I was like, it's a Supercross ride. Let's do it. It's factory. And it was a great opportunity. I learned so much from them. And mm-hmm. I think looking back at it, I was just, I was young and I didn't know how to train. I didn't know how to prep myself. I just was learning as I went, you know, I was 20 years old and I turned pro at, you know, 19 or something. So it was, you know, still I was learning the ropes of things. And that's one of those rides that you got to be ready and have a program, have a trainer, have a riding coach. And, um, I think I was sixth or something in the series before I blew my ACL and uh, took myself out of the series. And no big deal. Um, yeah, no, and that that was kind of the the point where um, now fast forward why I'm in Canada is because I um, re- re- had my knee reconstructed and coming back I didn't have any opportunities in the states anymore. And I had an opportunity in Canada to race KTM. Um, at the time it was um, Andy White that was running the team and he got me a contract and it was it wasn't a big contract. It was just, you know, enough money to get me racing kind of thing. And mm-hmm. I was like, yep, I just want to race. I want to go win championships and I'll build my name from there. Uh, that's kind of where I am now. It's like, you know, as much as people think it's, uh, it's been easy and gravy for me, you know, my whole life, it's, it, it's kind of, um, certain, certain parts of it have been difficult, you know, like taking certain rides that, um, I wasn't ready for and they've made me who I am today. So no regrets, but, uh, now looking 2018 it's been a amazing year for myself my team and i'm just thankful for all the blessings that i have and everyone that's been part of it and to get me to where i am absolutely you got the uh, phenomenal uh support system behind you with uh, everybody over at ktm canada i had the pleasure of uh rolling through there talking to jsr talking to uh it- Adrian and everyone over at uh, at KTM uh, and Husky, those guys are extreme. I think they're 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 one of the most premier supporters of Canadian moto. Uh, and uh, obviously, you'll be back there next year, which is exciting. I believe is that correct? Yes. Yeah. Next year's um, the last year on my contract. Nice. Well, hopefully you can yeah. uh, can do uh, make good on that and 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 make them want to uh, re up with you. I assume they probably already do uh, with you doing this whole winning championships thing. Uh, uh, what about a teammate? I know you like the number uh, number sixteen, but uh, how do you feel about the number fifteen? Fifteen or fifty? Fifteen. Fifteen. Oh, yeah. I don't know. I don't know what's gonna come. Um, I know that uh, Kevin retiring it uh, gave a position open, but uh, I'm sure KTM, you know, obviously wants to, um, you know, have another Canadian out of the tent. Yep. And, uh, uh, yeah, Pettis did a hell of a year. I mean, hats off to him. He, uh, other than being hurt, I think, for the first couple of rain crosses, um, he came back and honestly pretty much dominated the 250 class in, uh, in stylish fashion. And in Supercross, I mean, he was uh, the guy to beat. I don't think he was really... Uh, matched for speed much but uh i mean uh it'd be cool yeah i think uh if if they could work something out it'd be great to uh 
have another Canadian out of the tent and then uh, someone to, uh, you know, obviously move up to the 450 when uh, the timing is right. No doubt. Yeah, both uh, Supercross champions from uh, from this past year under the tent for 2019. I'd like to see it. Nothing official yet, of course, but uh, I, I think that uh, there's a there's a better 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 than uh, better chance than not that uh, that I think that we see the 15 roll under uh, nest that his his bike nestled next to yours under that big orange awning, and that would be something cool to see. Um, so, like you like you mentioned, a couple weeks off uh, in preparation for uh for christmas and then uh as you guys get closer to christmas uh, you, you'll get back on the motorcycle you get more reacquainted with uh those t- friendly confines of a tighter uh surface like arena cross i assume where do you do most of your arena cross uh training like is it on a super cross track at like uh at gpf where do you go uh, this past year i did all my riding at um motor park Canaline. okay uh yeah it's my home track uh in florida that i grew up as or grew up riding as a kid, and then mm-hmm. uh, that was um, when I broke my thumb last year and stuff, and I had some downtime. I came up with the plan to uh, I wanted to go back to Florida, but I wanted to get away from um, GPF, MTF, just uh, all the facilities in general. Just work on myself, and uh, that was kind of the, the deciding factor of going back to Carolina was that it was it was home to me, and mm-hmm. uh, they actually Matt Gerke built a ring across track there that was absolutely perfect it was right to spec on what we were racing with the the tight tracks and stuff so um that was you know a benefit for me to go there and ride that and then have the outdoor track as well and um like i say it it was it was home to me so i think just whenever you can train and feel comfortable and you're not stressed out it, it definitely um benefits your program absolutely and on top of that i believe your wife's from uh texas or florida am i wrong Texas, yeah. She's from Texas, She's from okay. Texas, Close enough, not really like at all, Florida. but sure. Yeah, no, no, it's, uh, they're both, both warm and both, uh, <laughs> nice places. Yeah, that is like that. That that's uh, that's the equivalent of some, someone saying, "Oh, you're from Winnipeg. Do you know so? Do you know Cole <laughs> from Ontario?" And we're like, "Yeah, he just lives <laughs> at the other end of the Trans Canada Highway." Uh, yeah, no, me not knowing, uh, well, actually more or less not knowing where, where Chloe's from, uh, more than anything, but, uh, yeah, um, cool that you guys will be down there. When does that start? And, uh, like, do you, like, how do you, like, how have you balanced training and Christmas over the years? Like, how do you come back for a certain amount of time? What's that all about? Uh, yeah, last year I actually went home. We drove home. Uh, I had a practice bike with me that need to get rebuilt so uh from florida to my house in Canada is about 16 hours oh no that's uh yeah when i was in california i just spent it me and uh chloe uh spent it in my apartment out there and, um spent a couple christmases in texas and then uh this year i'll spend it uh with chloe's family uh in carolina and then uh that's where her sister's out of and stuff and her, her mom is so yeah just um wherever i mean either her her family or my family and then uh Obviously, once uh, Christmas is over, it's uh, back to work. I've been, uh, not just for myself, but, you know, my uh, boss told me, you know, after Hamilton and the season that we had and how many, uh, how many races and how much training went into it and everything, it was, uh, he said it was mandatory to take some time off the bike. Um, not saying that I need to take time off from the gym, but uh, just uh, mainly just the bike, just to refresh the memory or just give the memory a, br- a break or whatever, reset, body a break, reset, memory. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And just then uh, when you do go back to riding, I know, especially last year, how beneficial it was for me to come back after I was off the bike for, I think, nine weeks with my thumb. So when I came back, I, I just had a new look on it and a, a positive attitude. And 
that's kind of the same approach that I want to take into next year. It's the, you know, yeah, I won this year, but by any means, it's it's anybody's game next year. You know, when we show up to round one, I mean, the guy that finished tenth in the series can be the guy that's winning next year. So, any of the guys that were behind me this year can step up. Colton himself coming back. I mean, you never know what anybody can bring to the table, especially when you have motivation um, from having a bad year, contract season, whatever it may be that motivates you. It's uh, it's anybody's game, and that's kind of where uh, where it comes into uh, pushing yourself um, in the off season to make sure that you go into the season ready. Because once it starts, I mean, if you're behind you're behind you know I learned that outdoors this year I started behind and heck I could never get to the front and when I did I was never able to stay there so it was one of those uh years that uh, you learned as well as built so I'm gonna take what uh what I did good and you know uh, keep building and take what I did wrong and learn from it so that's kind of what uh, my approach is going uh, into the new year and uh off-season training Odell, that's bad news for anybody you beat in the championship that year this year, my friend, because that's everybody, and uh, the champ needs to work hard. Uh, says he needs to work harder, so uh, that's bad news for everyone. Um, Cole, it's always a pleasure to have you on the show. I believe this is the fifth time we've had you on the podcast. You're always a fantastic guest. Uh, I don't care what anybody says. Uh, but uh, um, before I let you go, uh, last three quick questions uh, before I let you go, and uh, we'll, we'll wrap this thing up with a pretty bow. Perfect. Perfect. As you were growing <laughs> up, what was your favorite motocross video? Which one did you watch over and over and over again? Uh, if you were a kid like Easy. me, you, you had at least one that you, that was. Your parents probably know the soundtrack better than you do. <laughs> For me, um, we always watched the Great Outdoors. Um, I was about when those came out in 2002, so I was right around you know, nine or ten years old and. Um, even to this day, I think the Great Outdoors is still one of the greatest series. You know, watching that as a kid, just seeing uh, you know the behind the scenes of stuff you wouldn't see normally. That was before the internet um, and phones and all that stuff. So it was cool to see like the in depth look of you know them outside of just the race. You know, it was like a uh, a new approach to to racing and training and all that stuff. So definitely a, a Great Outdoors fan. Fair enough. I'm a fan of those as well. I have them all on DVD, yeah. and every once in a while, I absolute binge watch on those things. I fire them up, and there's a, a marathon <laughs> that goes on. Um, you raced a lot all over the place in amateurs, whether it be Texas, Florida, all over the um, the, the East Coast, and uh, even some Loretta Lynn's action, some Minios. I'm sure you probably have some more memories of American Thanksgivings than you do Canadian Thanksgivings, to be completely honest, going down to, uh, to, to the Minios and stuff like that. Um, who of the guys that you raced with uh, against as an amateur, out of all those guys, who were you most surprised who actually went pro and like turned out to be like a really solid professional? And who's a guy that was like an absolute like rocket shit disturbing, holy crap, that guy's fast, who now like you have no idea what he does. He might work construction, like just completely fell off the map. <laughs> Yeah, um, for the guy that surprised me the most would be Jeremy Martin. Um, that was easy. I mean, when we were on 80s, I struggled as a, like a super mini 80 racer. And we kind of were always like getting better together. I remember he would show up to nationals and get a little better, and then I'd show up and get a little better. And we we're always kind of building up and building up. And um, I mean, who knows if he'll even remember it. But I mean, the last year in B class, I think we finally like both were like at the best that we've been. And I, mean, I remember lining up with him at Loretta's and. Ponca City for the last two amateur nationals that I'd done 
Um, he went on to do a class. I went on to do pro the following year. So, right. and it, I just remember us just lining up and it was like, we were able to just, I mean, basically find another speed at both Ponca City and Loretta. So, um, it was cool to see him go on. Uh, when he turned pro, actually, I was doing a fill-in ride for the thing he turned pro with. And, um, you know, I got to know a different side of him a little bit, you know, that he was kind of the same as me. We both, uh, were kind of overshadowed by the, the Eli Tomax, all the, the great that obviously are still great, but right. he just get overlooked sometimes. And he was able to get a ride. And I, I, I don't think at the time star, it was star Valley. And they're not, they weren't what they are now. Yeah. Like it was like time. a, my Plash, uh, carbureted yeah, yeah, yeah. Yamaha. Exactly. Uh, that was, yeah. I think Martin yep. Davalos was it on was, that team uh, four different times. Yeah. It was, it DNA was still building. Um, the, yeah, the team was still building, and he'd taken that ride. And I remember thinking, uh, uh, we were at the practice track. I remember how many laps he'd put in. I'm like, man, that, he, he's going to be someone you could tell. And I think it was two years later he won his first championship, and they backed up a year later. And um, that kind of impressed me, you know, to see, like, you know, you put in the work, you grind it out, you can do anything. You know, you bring mind to it. And uh, he's definitely, a, 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 you know, someone that can show you that. And then uh, for the person that um, – it's funny, like uh, – I always was on 60s, and um, we had a couple battles, and he was always way better than me. But a, a couple races, I was able to get close to him and battle with him a little bit. Was uh, Brandon Mays, who was um, okay. uh, a great, great racer, and uh, obviously injuries um, ended his career a little bit earlier than they should have. But um, he was always one of the kids that uh, Red Bull James rider, a great rider, and uh, he was um, one of the guys that. Uh, in my opinion, was uh, going on to be, you know, one of the greats, and they had some injuries that uh, obviously uh, ended his racing, and then he went on to do some other stuff. But uh, yeah, those Inter- are the, international the rap superstar Brandon Mays, B yeah, Mazzy, for yeah. those who don't know. Uh, yeah, that, that that's that's a guy that definitely would be up there. Yeah, yeah, no, and I think at the amateur races too, it's, it's easy when you get to you know A class and then trying to make that transition to pro to. Um, either make it or not make it, you know, you can make that pro debut and you're on a private tier team. And if things don't go right, you know, you're not anybody and you're forgotten about pretty quick. So, you know, there's a lot of great amateurs that just haven't been, uh, never fulfilled their, their full, uh, uh, dream or, or, or anything like that. So. Oh yeah, absolutely. Like the, the reality is, is that when you get to the pros, even when, uh, like you said, like it was the 250 class, 450 class is literally every weekend is like the all-star race everybody shows up yeah. it's it's ne- it's not just like a few best players from each team or whatever it happens to be it's everybody it's that top two or three from every graduating class from Loretta Lynn's and they're all there <laughs> and they're all fast and no one forgot how to ride uh and some of them are older and stronger than they ever were uh like, like having to deal with guys like Aaron Plessinger or Zach Osborne who've literally been going fast uh like the KTM 85, the way it is right now, or maybe a couple of year, a couple of years ago, was developed by Zach Osborne. The guy, the guy didn't like didn't start <laughs> going fast just a little while ago. You know what I mean? Um, yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah. So once you get to the pros, it's a whole other ball game. Like maybe maybe you have a B class of like a your particular age group, like that. Like say you're like 15 years old right now. Maybe that group is not particularly deep, so you just all of a sudden you're like awesome, and then you go to the the pros and you realize that like oh shit I'm not that awesome. Uh, um, <laughs> yeah, that's a reality yeah. of it. Um, but uh, that, that's cool that you're able to, uh, to, to to come through the wash and and still uh, be successful with it, even when uh, maybe uh, like at some point maybe you had aspirations of of, of knocking down. Uh, uh, 
250 titles in the uh, uh, in, in the states, and, and uh, mind you, neither has Jeremy Martin, by the way. But uh, and, and maybe that's <laughs> something you guys uh, will have in common for forevermore, uh, unless you can pull the socks up in 2019. But uh, my last question for you, my friend, is um, what's the morning wit ritual like for you? How do you get? How does Cole Thompson get ready for his day? He's going training. What like are you? Are, do you do you like to eat something in the morning? You, you like you struggle to eat in the morning. Some people do, some people don't. And if you're having coffee, what's in your coffee? Um, I don't drink coffee, but Shame I, I have no problem. Eat. Yeah, I don't. I don't drink coffee, but I have no problem um, eating in the morning. I usually, uh, depending on what I'm doing um, for the day, uh, sometimes just two eggs in a in a smoothie with uh, protein and uh, all my fruits and stuff in there, and then. Uh, uh, sometimes just oatmeal. Um, like I say, it depends on what, what I got ahead of me for that day and, uh, what, what I'm doing and what time I'm riding and stuff like that. But pretty simple. I just get up and make my own food and then, uh, usually just do like something light and stretching and stuff like that. I'm, uh, I'm terrible, uh, when it comes to, uh, being, uh, flexible or whatever. I'm really, I'm always rigid and stuff. I'm, I got like, uh, an 80 year old body, I swear, but <laughs> I try to, I try to get a little bit less stiff before I start riding and stuff like that. So I'll do a, a light workout, light stretch, and then uh, usually start doing my motos and stuff like that. And then for Supercross, I was actually doing, um, I was staying up later because if I don't, I, I, when I get to our main event and stuff, and it's usually around 9.40, yeah. I'll be just Time exhausted. for sleep. So I, yeah. yeah, I started staying up late, and um, it helped quite a bit, especially because when yeah. I went to Montreal, I was kind of like, I was kind of like, felt weird and stuff, and after my show, I started staying up there, and it came back to normal. Makes sense, obviously, if you're riding, and you know, I started doing my training later at night. I started doing training at like eight o'clock instead of doing it at like ten a.m. When in Supercross, you don't even ride till you know in the afternoon, and then yeah. night show starts at seven. So, um, just little things like that that I started changing this year. And I mean, you're always learning, right? Like it, it never, it never ends. So yeah, like uh, I try to keep things simple as much as I can, and then for the most part, learn from others and learn what uh, works with me and, you know, make it work or make Perfect. it happen. The X factor to the 2019 motocross season for Cole Thompson will be sleeping in. You heard it here first. Yeah. yeah. Or at least the arena cross port. Arena yeah. cross and super cross port. Yeah. For, the, for the outdoors, it's 6 a.m. wake up, unfortunately. Fair enough. Wait, like, who, who's harder yeah. to get out of bed, you or Chloe? I know the answer. Oh, uh, Chloe. Yeah. Chloe <laughs> and, uh, now we got, uh, we got our, our two-year-old. Two in uh, a couple months here. She's going to be two years old. Our, our new dog, our Frenchie. Yeah. So she's uh, both of them. They don't usually get out. It's, I'm on a completely different program. So. Yeah. You, yeah. You, I don't blame them. I does mean, the dog take your spot when you get out of bed? <laughs> yeah. Yes. Dog, uh, dog takes my spot. I don't really have a bed anymore. So. Yeah. No. Been kicked to the kicked to the floor most of the night. Fair enough, fair enough. Well, I'll let you get to the rest of your day, my friend. Thank you so much for making some time for us. Uh, kept you a little longer than I even intended, but it was a really good conversation. I, really, I like to, I like having you on, Cole. Um, best of luck with the rest of your uh, your sabbatical off the bike, uh, uh, KTM's orders, and then uh, once things get kicked back up again down to Florida, getting those laps in and uh, uh, enjoy the Christmas season, man. I really appreciate the time. Yeah, no, I appreciate it. Um, happy holidays, and uh, look forward to talking soon. Awesome. You have yourself a great rest of your day. Don't hang up just yet, but for podcast sake, we'll cut it off right there. <laughs>